Hello? Hey, what's up, Strikey? Chad Tepper? Yes, sir. I'm outside. Let me in, bro. It's raining. I know. Wait, you're you're two minutes early. I need two minutes. Oh, my God. Okay. Hey, man, take your time. Take your time. You're fine. I'm going to go and uh, bother your neighbors for a second, knock on some doors. So you might want to hurry up because uh, – <laughs> All right. Do you have anything to drink and food, or should I run the store real quick? No, I've got plenty of food here. I'll see you in two minutes. Bye, Chad. No, no. Okay, okay. Bye. Love you. Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music, and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Tuna on toast. I'm feeling that good energy today. You know when you, like... You don't even do a workout, but you feel like you've done something good. I haven't done one thing today. Welcome to another episode of Tune on Toast brought to you by Hammer Toyota out there in Mission Hills here in Southern California. I got a DM on Instagram from a doctor. I'm not going to give her handle out, but she told me that because of this podcast, she is going this week to get herself a brand new car. She's doing a lease. That excites me so much when you support the company that supports Tuna on Toast. We've been working together for over eight years. I'm not saying go right this second to the car lot and see Johnny or any of the other great people there. But when it's time to lease, buy, trade in, sell, car, truck, SUV, crossover, keep Hamer Toyota in mind. H-A-M-E-R, HamerToyota.com. And by the way, I just glided over that it was a doctor that listens to the podcast. The smart, we've got some smart people that check out Tuna on Toast. Shout out to the doctor. Have fun at Hamer Toyota. All right, my guest today, his name is Chad Tepper. And this is a guy who he could walk into any airport in the United States, any bar, any town, and in some circles, he is an A-lister. He is recognized immediately. People want to take pictures with him. People want to talk to him. He's a young dude. He's an artist in every possible way. He's a content-creating machine on YouTube alone. He has over a million subscribers. Do you know how hard it is? <laughs> how much great material you have to put out there to get a, over a million subscribers on YouTube? On Instagram, 1.3 million. On TikTok, 1.7 million. I know of this guy because of the music that he has created. He is a great songwriter. Pop punk songs is what he writes and creates. He reached out to me on a DM over a year ago and I listened to a song, and I was hooked immediately. And one of the goals on this podcast, and I have many goals on this podcast, is not just to roll out the red carpet for the Mike Shinodas and Tom DeLongs of the world, but I've been rolling out the red carpet on this show for some of the young artists who inspire me through their art. And Chad Tepper, he is one of those human beings. And so after he reached out, after I heard his music, and I like pop punk music. And I like when people are a, a DIY operation, very similar to Tune on Toast. As of today, still a DIY operation. I'm like, Chad, you want to come on the podcast? He said, absolutely. He's had a lot of challenges in his life that he's had to overcome. I mean, really, really tough stuff. Growing up in Florida, and I'll just give you the big bullet point. I think roughly for five years, his family was homeless and he gets into the details and it's sad and it's tough. And it's amazing 
what he has become. I'm like, he's a very, very, very successful guy with a great story, and it's also inspiring. So let's get to the damn show. He came over to my place. Here he is in the Tuna on Toast studio, Chad Tepper. Test one, two. All right, watch your head. You're tall. I got a duck, too. You're going to be on this side. Yeah. Oh, this is happening, huh? Let's go there, and you'll be, we'll put the captain right there. Why is Captain Crunch so uh, good? Oh, yeah. Well, I, because it's good from the first millisecond, but it's also good 10 minutes later. Good for you, Dylan. Thanks, you know, man. Oh, I'm sorry, baby. You got to respect wood. No one respects wood around here. I, I didn't realize that. Phineas until... didn't respect wood. Uh, the guy from Walk the Moon didn't respect wood. You're way more handsome in real life, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying I'm... <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> hey, I'd rather look good. Oh, no, I'd rather look better on TV than I do in person. Which one? I was with this girl last night, and I was like, you look way better in real life. And she was like, I don't know if that's a good thing. <laughs> Here, turn the silver, tighten the silver part. I think it's toward as hard as you can. You comfy? I'm no sleep. Yeah, I feel good. great. Yo, you messed up by telling me where you live at, bro. I'm just going to be honest with you. No. <laughs> Thank you for having me here, man. I'm super excited to be here. I'm glad that you are here. So for those of you watching right now or listening, we appreciate that. Chad and I only know each other from DMs and messages on the internet. Weird world, bro. It started about a year ago. Do you remember it all? Because I do. I remember yeah, I think exactly I was happening. like, Ted, I love you. Can you please put my song on the radio, please? I'll do anything. No, well, I don't really know what happened. What was the first? Do you remember? I do. And then I want to know how, why it happened Yeah. From, from your mind. You sent me a message saying, my name's Chad Tepper. I'm making music. I have a song called I Want to Be Your High. And you caught me in a millisecond of time where I listened that exact millisecond. It wasn't like I went back like, what have I not listened to? So that second I got the message, I clicked the link, and I loved it from the second I heard it, man. Wow, that's so cool. And I had, to be honest, I'd never heard of you. I know you've yeah. got you've done a lot of stuff in your life, and a lot of people know who you are from a variety of things. But I did an immediate deep dive on, does he write for other people? Does he have a record deal already? Oh, wow. And then we started started going back and forth. That's so crazy. Yeah, man. Um, life is so weird. I put that song out uh, a year ago, and it's my biggest song I ever put out. It's, it's just hit 5 million streams on Spotify. Holy cow. Good. Are you? Yeah. When you sent it to me, it was less than 10,000, I yeah, think, or yeah. less than 20. I don't know. It was somewhere between yeah. 4,000 and 16,000. Yeah, it... Uh, Allison Hagendorf blessed me majorly. She loves the song too. She put it on so many massive playlists. And then, do you remember when I played it on my Out of Order yes, show I first? Do. I called the producer of Out of Order. I'm like, dude, this week, whatever we're doing, this has to be a bonus song. It's like, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say what band we took out. We, we took. I remember the band. We took that band out, and we're like, let's slide this dude right in there. So sick. Yeah, man. Thank you for doing it. It's it's uh it's crazy. When uh when I made that song, I it was such a weird time because I was supposed to go on this tour and I ended up not going on the tour and I was so bummed and upset. And then uh I went to the studio and I, I made that song and it's so weird how like sometimes doors close and you're just like, Man, like I missed that opportunity, that sucks. And then another big opportunity's right there and you don't even realize it's there. Right. Yeah. Had had you made a lot like more than five songs, more than 10 songs before I Want to Be Your High. I've been making music for a very long time. Not a lot of people recognized it, but I put out 
an EP like three years ago, and then I put out uh, like a full kind of album EP two years ago, and then I've been steady putting out music. But I have done the thing that a lot of artists do too, like they delete their old projects just because they feel like they're not good enough. Um, so I have done that, but I've probably wait. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. They delete their own projects. Is that after they put them out a week later, or they do it and they're like, I don't want to go with it. Which one? So for me, it was I had them out for like a year or two, and then I started to get traction with my new stuff, and I was like, I don't want people to the first time they hear me to listen to my old shit and not my new shit and be like, oh, this guy sucks. Like, right. so I wanted to get rid of the old stuff, which I think was a great move. But I know some people that will delete all of their stuff and just have like one song up. And I think that's a mistake, but I don't know. Uh, part of me still is upset about it because if I was to die, like right now, like I would want people to listen to my original music, but it's like so hard to find. Like you can't find it anywhere. Do you know where it is? I don't even know, man. Come on. <laughs> Are you know. serious? I mean, Chad, yeah. I have, I must have done more than 200 interviews between 1997 and 2008 that I, uh, that are gone forever. I did them. They How weren't sad filmed. Is that? It's sad. and I mean, like sometimes it was a band that sold twenty million. Their first interview, or and or they would bring a guitar and play a song. Is I have no clue. I did an interview with No Doubt in nineteen ninety four. Wow. And it and I I had never heard of them, and all four of them were there, and they played two songs. I don't know where that thing is. It's su it's such a bummer. But you yeah. you made these and then you deleted it and were like I'm ne never bringing these back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Just, it just didn't work. It was the same for me. Like I've been uh, writing poetry and songwriting and playing guitar and singing since I was like fucking five years old, and uh, so when I was like twelve, I recorded my first song on like a really shitty computer with like, and I made a CD and like all this crazy shit. And like I wish I could find it. No idea where it's at, but that would be so cool if I could find that. If anybody's watching this. And they see a CD at the Goodwill that says Chad Tepper on it, and it looks like shit. I'll give you a thousand dollars. Give you two thousand. You say two thousand. I'd, I'd, I'd probably give him a lot more than that if I had it. You know, that's the problem. Chad, I find it very impressive when doesn't matter what age you are, you create something and you put it out there. When you put it out, immediately you're going to be judged. Uh, this of person's course. the best. This person's the worst. Yeah. You've been doing that for a really long time. Have you always been in L.A. creating, or where in the world did you come from? So I'm originally from Orlando, Florida. Okay. Uh, born there. Grew up in a small town called Merritt Island, Florida. Uh, moved to New York for a little bit, and then I moved out to L.A. And it's it's so hard when I'm a fucking artist. Like, I wouldn't classify myself as, like, a singer or a writer or poet or whatever. I'm an artist. In like every form of my life. Like I write music, I sing, I write kids books, I fucking draw, I fucking direct, I fucking produce. Like, you know how to edit as well, I know how right? to edit. Like, I, like I'm, I'm like a fucking artist. That's just what it is. And it's so hard when you, everything that I ever put out from like a video to a song to fucking a painting to anything is my whole heart and soul. It is everything. I don't have half shit. Like, this is, like, real stuff. Like, every lyric in a song is everything real that has happened to me in my life or a breakup or some bullshit that's going on in my life. Like, it's all real. So when you put realness out to the world and people are like, oh, this guy fucking sucks, bro. Fuck this guy. It hurts. Mm. It hurts really yeah, bad. Yeah. Um, But my skin's gotten so tough because... 
it's like an everyday fucking thing in my life. Like, granted, nobody will walk up to me and be like, bro, your music sucks, bro. Like, it wouldn't ever happen because I'm like a big dude and I'd kill him. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like people are, people nowadays always have an opinion on art. Always. Even strong if they're not opinions. Strong, and what have you, 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 whoever, what have you created? Never, and they never will. But it's just like they feel like as a consumer of the art, they have like it's their duty to be like, you suck, you're never going anywhere. Oh. And like the shit that I, this has been the craziest year of my life. Like the things that I've done this year, like you go back five years ago or 10 years ago, and there was no way. There is no, no fucking way like any of this would have ever happened. And when I first started making music, everybody I knew was like, bro, this isn't for you, bro. Like, what are you doing? Like, stop making music. It's not going to happen. And then now I've been getting all these, like, massive cosigns. Like, I did a song with Simple Plan. What the fuck is, how, how did that happen? I did a song with Bowling for Soup. How did that happen? I did a song with Travi McCoy from Gym Class Heroes. How the fuck did that happen? I have, like, two or three, like, really big songs that are about to come out with major fucking artists that are going to blow minds. How did that happen? Well, hold on. Yeah. Stop. Let me stop you right there. Because I want, I want to get to yeah. all that, but I want to take our time getting there. The folks that were saying to you, what are you doing, man? You're not going to be a singer. Uh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Were they friends of yours? Or did they do it based on a first or second listen to a track? Or based on seeing your work ethic, whether it was out of this world or not there? Why? What, what was their reason? Some of it's like 50-50. Some of it's like people I know that I'm close to. Some of it's like... Random people on the internet. Some of it's like, it's just all randomness. Um, and then I have some friends that like would go to my, because I've been doing shows forever. I'm not like one of those dudes that like my music started to get big and then I did my first performance then. Like I've been like on stage for like five years, like five people in the crowd, 10 people in the crowd, you know, open mic night. Like I've been doing this forever. So, like, I would have some of my really close friends, uh, like uh, my roommate and my assistant, Eric, he would come to my shows and there'd be, like, five people there. And he would still go and he would never be like, this isn't for you, bro. Like, you need to stop. He'd be like, bro, I think you got something, man. Just, like, keep going, keep going. So I would have some of my friends encourage me, too. And, like, it's just like anything in your life, man. It's like you work out for a day, you're going to get a little muscle. You work out for, like, two years, you're going to fucking be ripped. That's right. And... I think for me, the biggest thing that I would tell the world is if you're passionate about something, you really love doing something, and you work your ass off and put everything into it, nothing can stop you. Nothing. I agree with you. And just so you know, there's been a lot of artists that have been in the chair that you're in that have said, it's not an exact quote, but basically along their path, there have been people more talented than them. 100%. But they stopped doing it after a year or two years. Or maybe sadly addiction came into play or maybe like they became too big for themselves because they sold out two shows at the Roxy and they thought they were John Lennon or Paul McCartney or something. So it's so important to stick to it. Do you have like, did you ever give yourself an amount of years like after six years if I, or is it like, I'm going to keep doing this? Fuck no. Awesome. Good. Doesn't matter. Good, good, good. Doesn't good. matter. I, I, I'm on such like a great path of growth, like. Like my, my numbers with my music this year has gone up like a hundredfold and it's great. And if it keeps going, that'd be fucking so awesome. But if it slows down and stops, I'm not going to stop. I could be like, I'll be my biggest goal in life is like, I always talk to people about this. I want to be like 75 on stage at like a shitty bar, like playing guitar, singing. Like I just want to make music for the rest of my life. That's oh, it. Like that's cool, man. it's, it's the only thing I have in my life. 
that's it. I have a great dog and like, but it's like the only thing that's always there for me is my music. I think the biggest thing in the world is bro, egos. Egos kill so fucking much. I know so many people, they get a little bit of like a big feature. Or they get their numbers go up a little bit and they're like, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I'm not going to do this. Oh, no, no, there's no way. It's like, bro, who do you think you are? Like, so we live in a world where like I wrote this song, Hollywood Stars, where it's like everyone thinks they're super famous, super important. They're icons or gods. And I'm like, bro, you realize maybe in 10, 20 years, no one's even going to know you existed. So like step off your fucking horse for a second. Like. Relax. Nice. You don't need to treat people badly. You don't need to walk around like you're the shit. We're all the same. We all wake up. We all eat food. We all fuck and we all go to sleep and we're all going to die. Be nice to people. But I'm, I'm around so many people that they think it's like that's being a rock star. It's like being an addict to people or like walking up to people and, and be like, hey, bro, what's your name again? Even though I met you 40 times, I'm going to pretend like I don't remember you because then I'll look famous and cool. It's like, bro, you're so lame. Like, people are so fucking lame. All right. <laughs> the biggest rock star in the world. No, the biggest rock star in the world for me in 2022 is Dave Grohl. Of course. Come on. And I'm who is a n nicer guy in rock and roll? There is none. It's David Eric Grohl. That's the dude right I don't know. there. You have, have you met Pierre Bouvier from Simple Plan? I have not met Pierre. Oh, yeah, maybe we've crossed paths, yeah. but that was like in 2000s, early 2000s. I know he's a good dude, but I'm just going like the guy who's in the Hall of Fame twice is the I mean, nicest Well, this guy. is some bullshit. Put Pierre in Simple Plan. Dude, they've sold so many albums. You guys are dicks. Put him in. Growing up in Florida, yeah. were you like living like one of those big houses on the lakes? You're hilarious, bro. You're hilarious. No, I don't know. I don't know yeah. what... No, I, um, if I share this with you, it's kind of crazy because I've never shared this song ever in my life with, with an audience ever. Um, fuck me. I love you. So I'll do this. Thank um, you. I grew up super, 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 super poor. Um, from the age of five to 12, I was homeless. I uh, lived in a car, lived in tents, lived on the side of the streets. When you get some money, I'd live in a hotel like, when I tell you I come from, like, absolutely fucking nothing, like, I come from absolutely fucking nothing. Mom still lives in a trailer in Florida. Um, like, when I tell you, like, you know, people are like, I'm self-made. It's like, no, your dad was the millionaire who, like, gave you money and, like, helped you. Like, this is all, this is all me, bro. This is all fucking me. Um, grew up super, super poor. Uh, yeah, at the age of 12, we we got a house, but it was, like, a little small, like, shitty house in like the middle of the hood like really fucked up like every night police helicopters would be above we'd hear like guns shooting off and shit as me as a kid like we'd be playing in the front yard and my dad would be like get in the house get in the house get in the house and then we'd run in the house and we hear vroom, 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 cars driving by and like gunshots and like really really <sighs> crazy shit so like mm. and then from like me being like poor and homeless like you witness a lot of fucked up shit bro like I've seen people get murdered. I've seen people fucking drugs. Like, when you're a kid, you shouldn't see somebody fucking shooting heroin when you're, like, six years old. Like, it's just like, you're like, Daddy, what the hell is this dude doing? He's like, oh, he's sick. It's just so crazy. And, like, my mom and dad weren't bad people. They were just, like, they fucked up. They were super hippies and just made bad decisions. And that's just what happened, you know? But, yeah, bro, I come from, like, nothing, nothing, bro. Wow. And, like, I have friends that are, like, poor and, like, like, yeah, I came from a single home and, you know, my mom and dad, da-da-da-da. But, like, I've never met anybody that's, like, been where I was at. 
ever in my life. And I'm sure there's way people have it way worse than me. I'm not saying that my life was horrid, but, but like, it's right at the time where, as a young person, your brain is growing, and that's uh, creating who you are as a person then, and who potentially that you're going to be right in those yeah. very formative years. Yeah. And so, I mean, I give you first of all thanks for sharing that, and yeah. I give you so much kudos for taking control of your life and creating a new and uh, I guess it would be a much better situation now. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just wild, like, somebody that, this story's gonna fucking blow your mind right here, uh, so, I grew up in Orlando, Florida, and in Orlando, this was around, like, the 2000s, when, like, Backstreet Boys were, like, big, and, like, NSYNC, and all these, like, boy bands, because in Orlando, that's what it was, right, so the music scene in Orlando was so big, and my dad loved music, he was a big singer, he would take me to, like, jazz festivals, and all these different things when I was a kid, and, um, he, he would take me to the House of Blues in Orlando, and we didn't have money to get in. We'd park in like the, you know, uh, worker parking lot for free. And I would like put my head down. So we would he would drive in and be like, hey, I'm going to work. And like he'd go park in the worker's parking lot. And we would walk in and we would, I'm going to fucking cry, bro. Oh. Um, we would, uh, we would, uh, we would go to the House of Blues, the big doors out front. And we would sit on the steps and we would hear the music through the doors. And uh, you fast forward, I think it was like 12 years, I go back and we, I sold out the House of Blues. And uh, my, my dad passed away before I got to do that with him, but he would have fucking loved that, man. He would have loved that. But wow. it was so weird going back to my hometown, doing a tour and selling out the House of Blues. And, you know, I'm behind the curtain and people are like, Chad, Tepper, Tepper, Chad, Tepper, like freaking out. And I'm looking up and there's like, you know, like the artists like lounge or whatever, my mom, my brother. And then there was like an empty spot and my mom's like crying. And like, I'm like, fuck, I, I could swear. Like I saw my dad like for a second, like standing right there. Oh, and then the man. fucking, and then they're like, Chad Tepper. And I walk out and I start singing. And like, it was such a crazy moment because how did a kid that was homeless go from not even being able to be let into the venue to selling out the venue. The weirdest shit. And like, that's why I want to do so much like in my music life where like I, my manager's such a great guy. And I'm like, when we start doing big tours of festivals, like I want to start like giving out tickets to people. Like, you know, I want you to like walk around the venue. And if you like see somebody outside, like give them a fucking ticket. Or if you see somebody poor, that's like close by, or they look like they don't have money. Like let's fucking help people because music changed my whole entire life. Like when, when I was younger, uh, I, I got a CD player. Uh, so every Christmas, my mom started to figure out that you could go to these like homeless shelters and toy drives and they would give you free gifts and stuff. So that's when I started to get gifts for Christmas. And one Christmas, I got a CD player with Beastie Boys, Bare Naked oh. Ladies, Sum 41, <laughs> Sublime, like a bunch of CDs. And I was like, whoa, what is this? It's so awesome. And then I, I went to the library because we'd go to the library to like rent VHSs or DVDs. And I found they had CDs. So that's when I first found like Blink-182 and Simple Plan. And Why those Charlotte. bands and not the boy bands that were so big in Orlando? Why was it Good Charlotte and the other bands? So I, I grew up skateboarding. I got my first skateboard when I was 12. Um, and I turned pro skateboarding when I was 19. Wow. You didn't know that, huh? No. Yeah, you see pro skateboarder. Wow. Yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. Did that Look for at two this years. Guy, Chad Tepper. Yeah, fucking crazy, huh? Wow. Yeah. Okay, hold. Wait a minute. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's do. Let's. 
music, then we'll get into skateboarding, then we're getting into Bowling for Soup, Pierre, and all these other. Okay. Um, you were into skateboarding, and the skateboarding scene it, it sometimes goes along with like punk rock or pop punk. Fuck yeah, it does right. And is that is that what in, influence you? Your influence your musical taste. One hundred percent. Okay. When my older brother was a big like nerd, loved movies, loved video games, and we were poor, but he always had like a Sega or a Nintendo or a fucking PlayStation. So he had a PlayStation. And I was so into skateboarding. Like, I'll be real. Like, I've always loved skateboarding since the first moment I saw it. And I remember I um, was at my friend's house. I was like a little fucking kid. And he was watching the X Games. And Tony Hawk did his first 900. And I was like, then I go into middle school. And all the cool kids are like over in one side of the of the area at the beginning of school. All the kids, cool kids would skate before school in this like little parking lot. And I was like, I want to do that. So I asked my mom on my 12th, 12th Christmas, I was like, mom, like, I know we don't have money. I know we just, because we, we saved up money from being homeless. My dad worked his ass off and then we ended up getting a house when, when I was 12. Right. So we finally got off the street Yeah, and I'll never forget that night, bro. <sighs> it was the craziest fucking night of my life, bro, because when you're homeless and you're cold and it's raining and you're going through all this hard shit and eating like we would eat like ramen noodles and pasta like on the bonfire like everything tasted burnt everything tasted like shit it was a mosquito vice everywhere it was a horrible fucking life and i remember being 12 and my dad's like pack everything up and i was like what's going on and he's like we're, we're we're going somewhere else and we would always go from different campsites to different shelters to different places because the whole time we were homeless i was still going to school me and my two brothers we were still going to school wow none of the teachers knew I mean, they probably thought we were poor, but nobody knew that we were living in the car or living on the streets. Like, no one knew that shit. And um, I'll never forget this. I'll be 100 years old. We pull up to this house, and my dad's like, this is our house. And I'll never, I'll never forget it in my life because I was like, we live here? It was that sense of, like, I'm safe now. Oh, my dad doesn't, man. like, we, we, we camped out in Florida one night, and it was during the winter. And people don't camp out during the winter in Florida. And we are at this campsite camping out and sometimes it'd be so cold we couldn't sleep in the tent. But we put up the tent to make people think we were camping, but really we were sleeping in the car. So it was five of us in a car sleeping up like this the whole fucking time. And we wake up in the middle of the night to this lady screaming like in pain and torture. She was being murdered, bro. And my dad's like, go, go grab everything, grab everything, put it in a car, put it in a car. And we fucking drive and we're taking off and we're going, th we're, we're driving through and I look over, and this lady's being fucking stabbed, bro. I was like five or six. And my dad's like, don't look, put your head down, put your head down. And we fucking go. And at night at these campsites, they, they lock the gates. So you can't like, they lock the gates so nobody can come in or come out. Like probably from like midnight to like 6 a.m. or some shit, they lock the gates to, for like safety reasons. My This guy looks at us and starts like running after us. My dad is fucking right through the gate. We go to Circle K. We call the cops. Come back the next day, like so crazy shit. So like so traumatizing. Imagine wow. like a little kid, like you shouldn't. A little, I should be watching like fucking Barney and like SpongeBob and shit. Like right. I shouldn't be dealing with that. So like when we got a house, it was such an amazing feeling. I'll never forget the first night we fucking, you know, we when we slept in the tents, we slept on sleeping bags. Like we, I I slept on floors forever as a kid. Like why my back so fucked up. So I remember the first night we go on like. It wasn't a big house. It was like a two bedroom, like tiny shit, shit hole, shit hole house. But you had a roof over your head. Yep. 
we roll the sleeping bags out and me and my whole family slept in one room and I'll never forget that night. And then waking up the next oh, day and like man. being warm and like being able to go take like a hot shower and like very, very surreal and craziness where, you know, so many people in this world wake up every day, like young kids and like, I hate my life. My life sucks. And it's like, bro, you have a house, you have loving parents, you have food, you have everything you could ever want. Why are you so depressed? Like, so coming from that, everything I've ever gotten in my life, I've been so grateful for and so happy about. So yeah, crazy, bro. Thank you for letting me share that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I'm not a psychiatrist, psychologist, but <laughs> I mean, you're going to go your whole life working your ass off the way you do now, because even, have if, to. even if you have 10 million in the bank, your brain may tick and say, oh my God, if I don't take this gig, if I don't work, if I don't treat people well, I may end up how I was when I was 5 to 12, 13 oh, years old. It's my biggest fear in Jesus the entire Christ, world, bro. Man. It's my biggest ah, fear. You're the best, Chad. Congrats you, on getting yourself to this position in life. Thank you, bro. I appreciate wow, that. Wow, of course. Yeah, crazy, bro. Yeah, so well it's done. just like, you know, I think by living that life and being like that, I'm very grateful because it made me work so hard. I have so many friends that are super super wealthy their parents are wealthy and um their work ethic is fucking garbage i'm like bro if i had your money with my work ethic i'd be the biggest fucking artist in the world that's like literally that's the only thing holding me back right now is money like like that's why i'm potentially gonna sign i have been getting some offers from labels like i'm gonna Good. take the dive i'm gonna do it but it's just like now why do you think quickly sorry yeah no why, what is the disadvantage of doing that because i think the advantages really outweigh the disadvantages. Yeah, yeah. So this is the biggest thing. I think for me personally, I've gotten to a level that even artists that are signed to major labels can't get to because the labels aren't pushing them right. So I've gotten this level where, you know, good half a million on Spotify, you know, 1.7 million on TikTok, 1.3 million on Instagram, 1.1 million on YouTube, like 200K on, on, on Twitter. I've gotten to this point where, these labels, they can't be like, oh, this isn't what I want. Like, we're going to fucking put this on the back shelf. We're not going to put this out. They they can't do that anymore. And I think that's such an advantage of there's so many people that move out to L.A. And, like, you know, they have so much more talented than me, such better voices, such better songwriting. But when you sign to a big-ass label that doesn't believe in you at the very beginning, you better be so fucking lucky and blessed because a lot of these labels will sign these people and be like, please get big, please pop off on your own so that way I can fucking own you. And it's just like now for me, these labels that are trying to sign me, I'm like, okay, I get full creative control. You know, I get the right splits. I get the big advance. I get everything I want to do. And I'm calling the fucking shots because I'm able to. Because I can personally say, oh, you don't want to go by what I want to do? Cool. I'm just going to keep doing it by myself. I've gotten to the point where I've gotten all these crazy ass features for nothing. All been on, all built on relationships. Yeah. Like, and let's hold on. Let's yeah, be yeah. fair here. Yeah. The songs are good. Oh, thank if you. If the bro. songs thank stunk. You, yeah. There's, there's who no cares way. cares if you yeah, have yeah. this many followers. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Bro. If the songs stink. Yeah. No one cares. Yeah. You yeah. got good songs. Oh, thank you, bro. That yeah. means the world. That means the world, bro. And, but it's wild because like I did a song with this, uh, DJ group called cheat codes. They're one of like the biggest, uh, EDM groups like in the world and I went into a song with them and they remixed one of my biggest songs for free 
took like the smallest amount of masters, came into the music video for free. And then one of my friends, who's a big artist, I'm not going to say who it is, went, he's like, bro, I love that song. Like, I wonder if they'll do a song with me. And I was like, I'll connect you guys. Connect them. And they're like, 250k for like the song then like 60k <laughs> for like the music video appearance and like all this shit and and my friend's like how the fuck did you get that and i was like <laughs> oh, bro i'm not i don't have any fucking money like they did it because they loved me and i feel like when you build a relationship with these massive artists and it's just like even with pierre from simple plan simple plan has never in their entire career featured on a song ever in their entire life there's never been a song you know Chad Tepper featuring Simple Plan. That's never existed. I'm the first motherfucker to ever do that. What's the first song you guys did together? Uh, I Hate Everybody. I, uh, I yeah. hate everybody, but I'm in love with you. I'm in love with you, baby. How do you meet the dude from Simple Plan and get him on that uh, song? Are, are you ready for your mind to be fucking blown in like a different level, bro? Yes, please. <sighs> I'm in the studio with my friend. And we're like singing Simple Plan and like just having fun. And my friend looks at me. My friend Lex is one of my producers from the very beginning. He goes, bro, do you follow Pierre from Simple Plan? And I was like, he has an Instagram? What the fuck? No. Go on, go on Instagram. He follows me on Instagram. Go on TikTok. He follows me on TikTok. I was like, what? Going on my messages and I'm like, yo, like, what the fuck, bro? Like, I'm a massive fucking fan. Like, I love your music. And he you goes, wrote that to him? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And he goes, no way. He's like, bro, I'm such a fan <laughs> of your music and everything you do. And I was like, what is going on right now? <laughs> it's like, like, it was so fucking weird. And then, you know, I started talking to him and I was like, bro, you know, it was always a dream to do a song with Simple Plan. That was always like a biggest, that's on my bucket list of who I people I wanted to work with. And I was like, I didn't even think that was a possibility, bro, because it's never been done. So I was like, I just want to work with this dude. Like, maybe he'll help me write music or maybe he'll help me produce. So I hit him up. I'm like, bro, let's work on a song together. He's like, yeah, I'm producing now. Like, let's do it. Come up to Ohio where I live at, which is like two hours away. And I was like, cool, cool, let's do it. Never happened. Two months go by. Doesn't happen. Then finally, I'm like, baby, stop fucking playing with me and let me come <laughs> up. And he's like, all right, all right, like, let's do it. Let's do it next week. And then he's like, next week comes. I'm super excited. And he's like, hey, uh, my babysitter nanny has COVID, so I'm not sure what's going on. I'm like, baby, don't fucking tease me like this. Like, if you don't want to work, that's fine. And he's like, no, 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 I'm telling you, like, I'll hit you up this week. Hits me up. And he's like, yo, I'm free tomorrow if you want to come. Pull up. We get there. And we, it's just like an instant we become best friends. He's like, bro, it was the weirdest moment of my life because he's like, can you show me some like new unreleased music? And I was like, yeah. So I show him some of my new music. And then he's like, you know what songs I really like? And he starts playing my old music that's out and singing word for fucking word my music. And I'm like, this is a dude I, I grew up listening to and idolizing and fucking loving. This is one of the reasons why I make pop punk music, like because of him. And he's singing my, my songs. It was the weirdest, it was the weirdest, greatest moment ever. Oh. And then I ended up doing the Viper Room and I sold out the Viper Room and I was like, I didn't even ask Pierre. Pierre's like, yo, I bought four tickets to come to the show. And I was like, what? You're coming to my show? <laughs> I was like, great. This Now I'm fucking nervous. This is awesome. Like, yeah. Then he comes and I was like, yo, would you want to like come on stage and do our song? And he's like, bro, I'm not going to come and not do the song. He's like, yeah. So... I pull him up on stage. He does this song. And this is fucking Pierre Bouvier from Simple Plan. Like, this dude does, like, stadiums and shit. Like, like he hasn't done, like, a, a show for, like, 250 people probably in, like, fucking years and years and years and years. And he would never. Pulls up, does it fucking such a crazy moment. And the whole time I'm on stage performing, I'm looking over. And he's sitting next to his wife and my ex-girlfriend that I was in love with. And... <laughs> 
he's singing word for word my songs. How is that even a possibility, bro? That's somebody that's great. Who's and, that's and so cool. Pierre writes and produced all the fucking hits. So like having someone that has made so many multi platinum fucking albums and songs, liking your music and co-signing you. How does that happen? Right. Yeah. Very weird, bro. Uh, give me three artists that you love that you would like to work with. Let's throw it out there. See, do you, you know what's so crazy? Like the artists I've worked with this year have been on that list, and it's so wild. But I would say. So you're just checking them off. Is I'm just checking them here. off. My my biggest dream in the entire world is something that can't happen anymore. But I, if I could go on a time machine and work with Kurt Cobain, work oh. with Nirvana, oh. that would be yeah. the craziest shit in the world. I think that he was one of the most incredibly talented fucking best singer, best fucking writer like to ever exist. Like Kurt Cobain. So his music is so fucking timeless and so beautiful and so raw and so real. And what he stood up for and what he sung about. Oh and, God. and I'm going to say he had the, it's much easier for people to speak up on issues yeah. in 2021. He was speaking up from gay rights and women's Shh. rights, like loud as Back can then, be. bro, where nobody was. Right. And, and it, yeah. it's awesome. And those songs that he wrote and put together, the verse, chorus, verse, also the name of a Nirvana song, they're just so beautifully done. So His voice beautiful. was so good. And that Unplugged album, I think, is one of the five best albums of all all time of anything. It's and we're talking about great. unplugged, bro. Like, what the fuck? I know. Like, that's crazy. But and then he's I, covering songs like from the Meat Puppets. <laughs> on it's. I mean, yeah, so so good. good. But I would say right now. So I've been having these meetings with labels, and they're like, "Who do you want to work with?" And everyone thinks I'm gonna be like MGK, Youngblood. I want to work with the fucking icons, bro. I want to work with the people that I grew up listening to. Like, I want to work with the Killers. I want to work with Sum Forty One. I want to work with Good Charlotte. I like. I want to work, oh bro, I'm getting chills right now. I want to work with these bands that have changed my fucking life. You know, Bruce Springsteen. I want to fucking work with fucking the Bleachers. I want to fucking work with um, real fuck. And all it, of these artists you're naming. Oh man, I do, love. do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I just like. Yeah. Um, I love the fucking. This, now, if we're talking like new people that I would work with, like new artists, I you know I would I'd love. This is gonna blow your fucking mind. I would love to make pop punk music with Lady Gaga, with Harry Styles, and Miley Cyrus. I feel like we would make some crazy music. I think it would be that they... gender fucking, that fucking weird switch where it would be, you know, so good. I don't think there's any reason why it shouldn't happen. And one of the great things about every single artist that I've met or been on the show over all the years, no one has been handed anything. Everyone's no. gone through some S in their life. Yeah. And when you're able to hear their story and see how they got here, it makes the person more likable and more 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 charming. And you can see their grit and where they come from. And I think that attracts artists to other artists. So hopefully someone's going to see this, anyone that you just named. And next, maybe you go write a song or go on tour or open up for somebody. Yeah, come on. There's some big shit going on. I just got offered a festival for May in Texas, my first festival I ever got offered. So... Makes super excited about that, yeah. How many people are on stage with you when you do a show? I have a, so I have a full band. Okay, uh, I have a bass player, guitarist, and drummer. And you're up there with no one. You're just singing. You're you're, you're I'm the a fucking real singer, baby. Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> th this is the big problem with this generation. Okay. They'll go on stage with a backtrack. Like nobody in the past would fucking do that. You go back like fucking, you know, to the 2000s or fucking 70s or 80s or 90s or 80s, whatever the fuck. No one is singing behind a backtrack, bro. They're real singers. Like, go to, like, fucking, 
you know, Sunset back in the day, like Motley Crue isn't on stage with their song playing on fucking vinyl in the background and they're fucking like, no, bro. We want that real fucking grit. I don't care if I'm off pitch. I don't care if I forget the fucking words. I don't care if I'm barely breathing because I'm like a big guy and I like to smoke. Like people want that real authenticity, bro. Why are you going to a show to sing over your track? I'll tell I you why. Yeah, because I, I know I, there's no, no, a reason. I, but, I, have a, I have one sentence yeah. for you. I think too many people believe that you need your circle, you, who you are, has to be perfectly smooth. Yeah. I come from a, a place or how I think is rough edges I like. Me fucking too. That is the charm. That is that is cool. I like yep. that. And sometimes the rougher it is, that doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's just you're not you're not a perfect, perfect smooth yeah. circle. But nobody is, to, man. People don't want to expose their rough edges. When you expose your rough edges, that's the authenticity which will live out forever. So I made a song with K Thrash from Escape the Fate. He's like Travis Barker's oh, yeah. producer, like super dope dude. And we go in one night and his fucking makes a fucking track in like five minutes, super <laughs> talented. And he's like, Do you have lyrics? And I was like, Yeah, let's go. Jump in the booth and I just fucking sing a song in like 10 minutes. It's fucking perfect. So good. We sing it on like uh, SR. It's like, you know, the little shitty like podcast mic. Like he's like, let's just sing on this and then we can retract the vocals on a good mic. And I loved the vocals so much raw like that because they were so real and emotional and they felt gritty and they felt good. And then we re-recorded it on like a fucking $20,000 mic. And I was like, I don't like this. And he's like, why? And I was like, it sounds super radio. It sounds super poppy. Like, it sounds great. Like, this is what, like, every label and everybody wants. But I like the grit. I like the non-perfect, you know, pitch. And I like the, I, I don't know. I come, I come from, like, listening to, like, you know, punk music. And, like, bro, you go back to, like, old punk albums, like, they didn't give a shit. It was just their attitude. It was right. just the lyrics. It was in the it living in the moment. Like I feel like when you make a song, you're capturing a moment and an attitude and a time and an energy in that moment right there that can live forever. And it's the pureness about it that people attract to, you know? Do you know who the Aquadolls are? They're in yeah, New You do? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came over the other day and they brought their instruments. Oh, shit. And I'm like, this is not, my line was basically, this is not the Capitol Records building where the Beatles record, or whatever. This is not Abbey Road. I've got this little mixer here. I only have three mics. Like, we don't care. We just want to play. And so I aimed one mic at the guitar. I aimed a mic over here. I was mixing on this. Whoa. And they played in this room. And I got to tell you, I have listened to the song. It's so good. But that's a real artist. Yes. Yes. They didn't yeah. care. They didn't look at what kind of mic is this? What's what are the acoustics of my bedroom here? They're yeah, just like doesn't matter. we're playing. We're doesn't playing. Matter. Yeah. yeah. And 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 that's the love and the passion that more people need to have. I know so many people that are like, oh, I'm not performing, you know, if I don't have inner ears. I'm not performing if I don't have my full band. I'm not performing. Did it. It's like, what did you fall in love with? I fell in love with writing songs and singing. That's, that's what I fell in love with. So it's like, you know, like I was at this party a month ago and this girl walks up to me. She's like, Chad, I fucking love your music, da 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 da. And she, I was like, what song do you like? And she's like, I want to be your high. And I'll be real, I was a little intoxicated. I start fucking singing. Top. Can you just give me a verse of it? No, <laughs> no, no, just low key, low key. <laughs> I'm here talking about how I like to sing all the time. And they're like, yeah, I don't do it. Right now. <laughs> 
But I'm at this party and I start fucking singing super fucking loud and everybody's just like looking, everybody stops talking and they just like come around me and I'm singing to this girl and this girl's like, what the fuck is going on right now? Did she like she it? She loved it. She's like, holy shit. She's like, this is like one of the best moments. Da, 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 da. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Lost my pack of cigarettes. Lost my life the night we met. My whole life's been full of regrets. Your friends think I'm a mess. Well, you need to tell them you love me. You love me, you love me. Well, you need to tell them you love me. So I wrote that because my fucking ex, I've been with this girl for seven years. Bro, it's like a movie, bro. I loved, I would die for this girl. I love her more than anything, but we just don't get along. And we would break up, we'd get back together, break up, get back together. And then it got to a point where we'd broken up, got back together so many times that like none of her friends knew we were back together. Her mom didn't know, family didn't know. Whole family, whole friends fucking hated me. So I wrote that song. I was like, you need to tell them you fucking love me. Like, tell them you fucking love me, bro. Like, so all these lyrics are so real. And it's it's wild because for that song right there, I made it with with Dreamers, and they came in to work on that song as a writer. And I go into that session, and they're like, what do you have? And I was like, oh, I already wrote a verse and a hook. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, sing it real quick. He's like, fuck, it's really good. Like, uh, I'm here to write. And I was like, okay, well, give me something. And then he wrote the part, uh, I want to be your high. He wrote, he wrote, I want to be a high. Like, he wrote that part. And I was like, perfect. I was like, you did your part, bro. Like, so I wrote everything else. And then he he wrote that one little part. And, I, and then he wrote his his verse. But he was blown away. He's like, bro, I didn't think you were a writer. Like, I thought you were one of these dudes who, like, pays people to write. You know, who, all this bullshit. And it was the same thing with K Thrash from Escape the Fate. Like, I went in and I sang that song. I'll, I'll show you after this. Really fucking good song. It's ooh, it's not out yet. Um, but after the session, he's like, Chad, holy fuck, you're like the real deal. I didn't think you were the real deal. No offense. And I was like, no, it's fine. And he's like, do you ever write for people? And I was like, I've been offered to write for a bunch of people, but these are my stories. This this is what I want to do. You know, if like fucking MGK comes up to me and wants me to write for him, of course I'm going to do it because I need money. But like, these are my stories. Yeah. No, right. no one else is getting these stories from me. These are my stories. Quickly, because we were like fifty minutes into this thing. I mean, my we bad, could sit bro. here all day. My but bad, my no, bad. no, this is this, this is this is great. I'm gonna let you talk. Give me a percentage <laughs> of the chance that you're going to sign a record deal within the next two months. Ninety-five percent, I think so. There's good. just too many offers being thrown at me right great. now that are like really, really good. Good. And I haven't put out an album in two years, and I have like eighty-five unreleased songs that are like. <laughs> I think every song is fucking really good. Uh, you know, of course, you know, there's some that like stand out, but like I'm ready, bro. Like I'm I, I want to put on an album. So this is the thing, it's like Do you want to produce your own music or I've will already, you be comfortable I've, I've, like a John Feldman say or like, dude, I want to do a song or two? Would you be like, Oh good, I'd like to do that? Yeah, so I um I've been producing a little bit. Um I'm more of like a Rick Rubin style where I'm like, hey, I put this here, do this, do that. So you're do saying that. you're better than Rick Rubin? No, no, he's a God. He's a God. <laughs> I can produce, I can record myself. I can, you know, when you play instruments and you can put shit together, you can produce if you just learn how to do it. So I know how to do that. I'm not the greatest at it, but I'm really good when I'm in a session to be like, okay, I want this to sound like this. I want you to bring this hi-hat in. I want you to do this. I want you to mix this right here. I want you to add this clap. I want, you know what I mean? Like I'm really good at telling someone what to do. 
And if I'm with the right producer, like, okay, cool, cool, we'll do it, we'll do it. Yeah, man, I, I think it's it's time to put out an album. I keep getting messages from people like, bro, we want an album. Because I've been putting out a single every month for the past, like, two years. Every, no matter what's going on, single music video. Every fucking month. That's dedication, and man. Good job. It sucks, bro, because it's like, I'll do a song, and then I'll do a music video, and I'll be like, God, I'm so fucking exhausted. Because I, I direct these music videos. I write the treatment. I fucking... You know, I, I do all the work, bro. I'm like the full fucking dude that shows up and it's exhausting, bro. And it takes a lot out of you. So it's just like every month it's like, fuck another one, another one, another one. But it's what you need to do. My only thing is I want people to hear my music. So why the fuck wouldn't I put it out? You know, do you think that if someone has a million followers on TikTok, that that equals ticket sales at a concert? Negative. Negative. Okay. No fucking way. Okay. Th this is the biggest thing. I have some friends with millions and millions and massive, massive following. This is a thing. You can get somebody to listen to a song once, but the real gift is having somebody be like, holy fuck, I'm so obsessed with this song. I'm going to listen to it five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten times a day. But a lot, this is the problem nowadays, and I think this is the problem with music in its whole. Okay. Everybody and their grandma makes music nowadays, and not all of it should be seen by that many people. Uh, and it sounds like shitty to say, no, but I remember when everybody wanted to be a DJ 10 to 12 years ago, not radio club DJ, but just like in every business, no matter what it is, only like 3% of the people have yeah. the drive and the talent and the rest are like, Oh, I'm going to get the uh, Serato, whatever it is. And I'm going to go to my, play my, uh, dad's fr uh, kids bar mitzvah blah 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 and they don't know and then like do it once and they're and they're done yeah. so maybe that's similar to everyone thinks they can make a song in their bedroom which they can but a lot of them stink and, and the, the other like really that makes sense yeah and no, it makes a lot of sense and like the other thing is too is like i've done shows for 10 20 30 people with millions of followers because people don't give a shit about your music you have to show them that you are worth listening to you have to show them and it's going to take time. You can't put out one song and then put out another song a year later. But I'm a musician. You're not a fucking musician. You need to literally show people, this is what I'm doing. I am serious about this. This is my love. This is my fucking joy. I'm putting everything into this. And then they'll slowly convert over and realize. But there's this huge artist who's also major on, on social media. His first show ever was for like 10,000 people. Can you imagine your first time ever on stage wow. is in front of 10,000 people? You can debate me on this or whatever. That's wrong, bro. I think that that's wrong because I don't care how talented you are, how amazing you are. Elton John probably wasn't unbelievable the first time he was on stage, okay? Um, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's just like you need time I mean, to grow. When he came to America, and be he wasn't playing arenas. No, the Troubadour. Ah, uh, exactly. Come that, on, baby. He's at, he's at the Troubadour. You know, so it's just like. <laughs> This is the thing that I think is going on right now. You're having these artists that are just beginning and starting out and they haven't really found their sound or their confidence and they're performing in front of millions of people. And I think that that's kind of killing music. And I think that But you think they are, but that doesn't, you said that doesn't mean ticket no, no, sales. No, 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 no. I, I mean like online. Oh, okay. You know, you, you, gotcha. you post your music video and it gets 20 million views. I see, I that's see. That's people listening and seeing you perform. Right. Um, I, I don't know. I always get that question when I go into labels. They're like, you got a lot of followers. Do you, you think you can sell it a show? I was like, yeah, I've done it multiple times. Like, here's, here's the receipts. Yeah. Like, call here's, Live here's Nation. Like, go ahead. Like, yeah. So like, right. it's weird, bro. Yeah. I just want, I all I want in my life is real fucking rock music to come back and come back strong and people can enjoy it and love it 
and see that art form like it like it used to be. That's all I want, bro. I'm not trying to like talk shit about anybody. I think all music is great, all creativity is great, but when I talk to a kid and they're like, "You introduced me to Bowling for Soup. You introduced me to Simple Plan." I'm like, "What the fuck? You've never <laughs> heard them before? If it wasn't for me, you would have never heard them? How is that a possibility?" And then like I ask people I'm like, "What's your favorite artist?" and they're like, "Drake." I'm like, "Cool, Drake's great, bro, but like what about all these other artists you've never heard of? Like people don't deep dive anymore." No one listens to a full album. Nobody fucking tries to look for new artists. It's just whatever they hear on TikTok or, or someone talks about or their friend. Like, right. very weird times, bro. Yeah. Hopefully, we're going to get to a place. And I don't think it's a bad... So I don't want to ever come off like, get off my lawn. But where an artist who has done three or four successful albums isn't afraid to put out eight songs at a time. Yeah. Because putting eight songs out at a time these days, I don't think is a... Great move, unless four of them were really one month, one month, one month. Because, Isn't that crazy? Though? Yes, yeah. And Every, so sometimes you can't get like one of those concept albums where you start it on track one and go to track twelve because who the hell is going to sit there and listen to all that? So. It's a very sad time in music. When I you, was I don't, a kid, I'm not, I don't think it's a sad time in a sad time though. I there's see. A, there's I, a I lot, think it is because, a lot of look, talented, good. Oh no, one hundred percent. Not not in that sense. I mean, like. When I was a kid, I would take my CD, put in a CD player, play whole fucking album, and I would do it again and again and again. And then after three or four times, I would go to the ones I like and skip to them. That's right. But yep. nowadays, people don't do that. They listen to one song or two songs, and that's it. Or 30 seconds of a or song. Or 30 seconds, yeah. Yeah. And for me personally, like some of my favorite songs don't fucking kick ass until like a minute and a half in or two minutes in. And it's like, you ever listen to that song where it has that like, just that like heavenly, like orgasmic feeling, yes. like two minutes in? Of course. So many people aren't finding that moment because they're skipping through it. That's um, what I mean the by The best that. songs give it to you 30 seconds to a minute and 20 seconds in, but the time that it takes to get there, they're so good at creating the song. They're playing, your brain wants yeah. the song to go to a certain place. And it's so well written and produced that it gets you there. See? And so it's this that's reward. Good yeah, yeah. It's this reward. Yeah. Chad, thank you. Thank you, brother. Sorry. Oh let, thank you for letting me rant a little bit. It wasn't ranting. Man, this is so going to call me and be like, bro, you got to cut this whole thing. We're not cutting anything. <laughs> this is my footage now. So when you go to the Rock and Roll of Fame, we will play some of Let's this. Let's go. Please All do. right. He is Chad Tepper. If this is uh, your first time knowing of this gentleman, this second, you go take the deep dive. You go check out all the things that he's created over many, many years. And when he has a show, you go check it out. For Chad Tepper, I'm Ted Stryker. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. Cool. Good time. Thank you, That's another episode of Stryker's Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely. For sure. <laughs> Maybe. Friendly reminder, you can watch all these interviews on YouTube. See what my spare bedroom, a.k.a. the Tuna on Toast studio, looks like. Very easy to find. Again, all the interviews up on YouTube. Find me on Instagram and Twitter. Thanks so much for the support. Have a great rest of your day or night, and we'll see you on the next one. In the meantime, happy snuggles. Bye-bye.